Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, animals, D.C., and what brings the two together. When you say Washington, people think nation's capital, speaking place for the country. And there is a really subtle optic and a subtle empowerment that you speak for your cause when your not-for-profit is based here. How we treat our animals is an important indication of how we treat each other. Our next guest is Lisa LaFontaine. She's CEO and president of the Humane Rescue Alliance here in D.C. Lisa, thanks for joining us. Thanks. It's great to be here. Well, the Humane Rescue Alliance is the reflection of a merger of two existing not-for-profits. Mm-hmm. How did it come about and what are you guys up to? D.C. had two hundred-year-old animal welfare organizations, the Washington Humane Society and the Washington Animal Rescue League. And back in the early part of the 20th century, um, they were very complementary with one another. Washington Humane Society had um, the, the mandate to protect animals from cruelty and neglect. And so we had citizen officers and officers of the organization who would actually seize animals from cruelty and um, prosecute people for cruelty to animals. And the Washington Animal Rescue League was founded about 35 years later to provide a place to bring animals who needed to find a new home. And so back in the early days, the two organizations worked together, and that went on for decades. And it was really only in probably the 1980s that there started to be some overlap and confusion about who did what. And I think some difference in philosophies that made the organizations adversarial to each other. And it wasn't good for the cause or the city because the organizations were often um, talking badly about each other in direct mailers that they were sending out or um, taking pot shots at each other. And it was each organization doing that. And um, and I think it was just an unfortunate uh, conversation to have with the community. And when I came, I was really focused on collaboration. And it was about 10 years ago, and I I saw that there were two organizations doing very much the same thing in a very small space geographically, and brought the two teams together to have a conversation about who are we, where are we going, and what can we do together. And we noticed that philosophically we were so similar, and our practices were so similar that we decided, let's start doing some programming together. And, you know, I think the merger word was mentioned way back then, eight or nine years ago, but it was too soon to do that. We needed to to work together and get a sense of our individual strengths. Um, but last year, we were both on the precipice of doing capital campaigns to build new facilities to serve the people and animals of the district. And it just made no sense for a city the size of Washington to have two capital cap- campaigns for the same types of not-for-profit to build organizations. all I could just see money falling down in the cracks between us. It's interesting, as you describe it, it's very much the way that uh, for-profit businesses describe why business combinations occur. Yeah. As a region, what makes D.C. an interesting or a good place for a not-for-profit to locate? Because we sure seem to have a lot of them here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm probably a good example of that because I came here to work in this not-for-profit space in this cause. And what really attracted me was that um, D.C. is relatively small geographically, and um, certainly for animal welfare, you're able to to get a pretty good handle on the population of animals and what the issues are because of the geographic space. Um, The other opportunity I saw is that we could make a a pretty sustainable impact for our cause uh, because you can get to know everybody in D.C. I mean, to change laws in D.C., we have to develop relationships with the members of the city council, and it's very doable to develop long-term relationships with 
the city council and the executive office in Washington, D.C., whereas in the state that I came from, New Hampshire, we had hundreds of people that we would have to build relationships with to get laws changed. So I saw it as a way to make a real impact. But, you know, I think the biggest thing is that when you say Washington, people think nation's capital, speaking place for the country. And I just think there is a really subtle... um, uh, optic and a subtle empowerment that you speak for your cause when your not-for-profit is based here. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier as we did the lead-in, I think that a society says a lot about itself by how it treats its animals. There's been a big trend and change in how people get their their pets now. What have, what have you seen and what do you think it's saying about us as a society? You can imagine that when I take walks, I ask every single person I see, where did you get your dog? And what I've noticed in being in the city for about a decade is that more and more people have rescued their dog from somewhere as opposed to purchasing them or breeding them. And there's this badge of honor with having a rescue animal. I just notice a sense of pride when they say, he's a rescue. It's almost like the act of saving an animal who has been rendered homeless um, has become a descriptor. A rescue animal describes the entire act of having given an animal a second chance. And I people take a great deal of pride in that. And I think that's wonderful. I think it's also indicative perhaps of compassion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it strikes me that at the moment we could use a lot more compassion. You know, it's really interesting because we have, uh, like many organizations, we have people from all demographics, um, all genders, sexuality, religion, um, walks of life, countries, you name it. And and one thing I've seen is that people, certainly who work for us and volunteer for us, feel that we're not only a safe place, but an empowering place because we speak for kindness and compassion and um, love and all those kind of warm and fuzzy things. So we've become kind of a, a touchstone for people. And you know, adoptions are up recently. And I think that's indicative that people want a loving, happy, forgiving, uncomplicated creature to come home to and snuggle with. Well, I got to tell you what, I have a rescue kitten at home. Mm-hmm. She's now eight years old and she can't sleep unless I'm cuddling her at night, which is great and not so great for my left arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have three cats like that too. Sometimes they have to sleep in the kitchen if I need a night's sleep. <laughs> but another reminder, everybody, of why DC is a place where people get things done. Lisa, do you think that entrepreneurship stops with making money? Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I think that um, a lot of entrepreneurship right now is about engaging new people with new ideas. And and sometimes it's not really about the money at all. It's about solving a problem together. And certainly we have seen that because the the types of issues that face an organization like mine are very different now than they were two decades ago. So you constantly need fresh ideas and fresh perspectives. And I think that a lot of the community work that we're doing is entrepreneurial work. Another example of how D.C. is a place where there are many different ways to make a difference and get things done. Lisa LaFontaine, CEO and president of Humane Rescue Alliance. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington with Jonathan Aberman. We in the Washington, D.C. region get things done every day. This is more than just House of Cards. and This podcast is a reminder of that. If you believe that that is the way things should be, follow us at at What's Working DC or direct messages with stories that you think need to be covered to spread the word of positivity that's so necessary in this current moment. And don't forget to tell your friends about our podcast. They can find it on iTunes. See you next time. Goodbye.